Hello and welcome to Giant Spotlight. I'm Seth Tolleson, host of Giant Spotlight. Thank you for listening wherever you get your podcasts. Today we're going to talk about that the Giants win the first two games in the uh, in the series against the Reds after the delayed first game and they inch closer to the lead in the NL West. So we'll talk all about that in a second. So the Giants won the first two games of the series against the Reds, and I think the series is very important considering where we're at in the standings. We're almost to first place. We're one and a half games behind the Dodgers, and if they lose today and we win today, then that would bring us half a game. That would bring us to half a game behind them, and I think it's really good to see that. Um, It was a little bit interesting because in the first game, you have the Giants playing the Reds, and it was 2-2, and it was in the top of the eighth. And the Giants had two on. They were at second and third. And you had J.D. Davis at the plate. And then a rain delay. A rain delay canceled that game and pushed it back to later to the next day, which was going to be at 240. So it was pushed to the next day at 240. And they had a little bit of a gap in between um, from their second game, in which was that was an entirely different thing. So I'm going to have to talk about that after this. But in the 4-2 to two game, you know, they were left, it was kind of, it was interesting because you ended the game with some momentum from the Giants side where there were two on at sec, uh, second and third, and you had Davis coming up to the plate. And you you were thinking that the Giants could, you know, definitely pull ahead here. Um, Conforto grounded out right before that, so it was only one out, but the, there's no double play option because the runner's not at first. So you had an opportunity for an RBI to pull ahead, and then the game uh, had to end because of a rain delay and the rain kept coming down. So they had to push it to the next day and they weren't able to continue that night. So going into the next day, you're thinking like, do the Giants have it in them to win this game? Are they going to be able to score those runners? What's going on? You know, they did not score those runners, but they scored in the 10th inning to kind of pull ahead four to two. And I think with that game, you know, you came in and it was confusing because it looked like the Reds, coach the Reds manager was going to make a pitching change you didn't know what was going to happen right there but it looks like he was making a pitching change and so he ended up making that pitching change when they came back because apparently it never went through um, when that game was going so that ended up happening but overall you had a pretty good effort on the Giants side to keep the game in their hands it was it was you know it's not conventional you don't want to end the game that you had some momentum going into, you know, to end that game and to have to resume it the next day because that kind of just throws you off for a loop. And maybe that gave them more rest. Maybe that gave them more planning. You never know. They went back to the hotel and they came back the next day and they ended up winning that 4-2. to two. And overall, you know, that to that day, though, Duvall, I would like to highlight, got his 30th save. That is the leading the MLB. He's been so dominant in that closer role. And it's been fun to watch him grow from the, you know, he came from directly from the Giants farm system. And he's someone who's been lights out. He is someone who has very, has been a big part of this Giants bullpen. And without him, I don't know where they would be at. I mean, he's been able to lock down games, especially that four to two game, because that's, you know, hanging in the balance. Um, Something to also highlight from that four to two game is in the bottom of the ninth, uh, Ellie De La Cruz got, a leadoff walk. And so, you know, that's a that was big because Ellie De La Cruz, as you know, is one of the fastest people in the MLB, if not the fastest. They're not completely sure. I don't know the run times for him, but I mean, 
he also has a fast throwing arm. I mean, this guy's just, he's a young phenom, as everybody calls him. He definitely is. But he gets on base, and you can almost guarantee that he is going to be stealing with his speed. And they all knew that. He did steal. Patrick Bailey with a good attempt to get him out. It was pretty close, and it was kind of hard to see from the cameras. But I think with that big old oven, man, he definitely touched that bag before, you know, the tag was off. And Schmidt did not hold the tag. Even if Ellie De Cruz were to come off of the bag, he would have been safe. But either way, he was on second. And Tyler Rogers, who was pitching, you know, you never, with the way Tyler Rogers pitches, he's not really the best at picking off. But apparently, it is something that the Giants had practiced to get a pickoff move out of Tyler Rogers because teams know that with the submarine throwing, it is way easier to steal than someone who throws, you know, in a normal fashion. And Rodgers pulled an excellent pickoff move, caught Deli, uh, De La, Ellie De La Cruz in a rundown, ended up getting him out. And that was huge because it takes the runner out of scoring position, and they ended up going later into the game to win. But with him at second, he's in scoring position, and a single could bring him home with his speed. So that was very big. And I'm, I mean, I knew that they were going to take some kind of advantage of that. Ellie De La Cruz is a very young player, very eager. But also, he doesn't. He might not know certain things that the Giants know. So with the Giants knowing that, they kind of just pulled ahead right there, and they kind of took advantage of his youngness right there, especially in that pickoff move. And it was very good. It was a good tag by Wisely to get him out, and well executed by Giants. But that led them into the next game, where unlike the four to two, it was a high scoring game where they won eleven to ten, eleven to ten, and. That is different than what's happened recently. The Giants have a phenomenal bullpen. And I mean, they've had the best bullpen since I'm pretty sure, you know, June. And it's been it's been fun to see. They have been lights out. They have been shutting people out. Tyler and Taylor pitching from both sides in different ways have been excellent. Duvall has been able to close well. You know, people like Tristan Beck, who was optioned down to bring up Desclafani to start this game. I'll talk about that move because I didn't necessarily agree with it. Um, you know, Tristan Beck has been able to go well. Keaton Wynn. You have people like Manaya who had been able to do good in the multi-inning reliever role. And in this game, they had sent down Tristan Beck. They'd optioned him down. And they had brought up Anthony Desclafani and, you know, off the injured list. So they brought him back, and he pitches this game and gives up two two-run homers in the first two innings. He has not been the same since he has come back. He really hasn't. And it's tough to see because he's been a good pitcher for the Giants team, but he has not been the same. He has not produced well. And for this Giants team, he hasn't been able to pull through like they need him to in these big spots, which has led to poor starts by Anthony Discofani. So the Giants still won. They still won 11-10. It wasn't pretty. It definitely wasn't flashy, but they won. And it wasn't just Discofani who gave up those runs. Although he gave up four runs and two, you know, two big homers that kind of just put the Giants at a deficit. It was 4-1 to one at one point after a solo home run from Wilmer Flores, who's been red hot. He has been on fire, the best hitter for the Giants so far. He's been amazing to watch. He has just crushed the ball, and he's what brought him back into that game. He had a five-RBI night, 
you really led that offense and they were able to pull through and get that win. But the Giants pitchers, and this was kind of unusual because of how well the bullpen has been, they gave up a lot of runs. I think past Escofani, who gave up four in runs, Manaya gave up two earned runs, three runs in total. Uh, Mauricio Olvera gave up a run, and Jacob Junas gave up two runs. So they all gave up a bunch of runs, and this led to how that big game kind of ended up going. So you had that for this team. And Alexander, you know, he did he did very well. He struck out three in one inning. He struck out the side. Taylor Rogers did pretty well, and so did Duvall. Duvall got that 30th save, like I said, to lead the MLB. He's been amazing. He's been lights out. He's been everything that they have needed him to be. There are some pitchers, however, who have not been that way. And Jacob Junis is another one who I'm talking about who might have, has been struggling. But Descofani, his numbers have not looked pretty since 2021. They have not looked great. He has four wins and eight losses. He has a 4.72 ERA in 18 games, and he has 77 strikeouts. But all of this in 95.1 innings pitch, he has not done well. And I don't know what the Giants are going to do with him. I don't think we're seeing a future here for him if he's going to continue to play this way. I don't think there is a spot for him in that pitching rotation to kind of, you know, fit in with the other pitchers. And the Giants, they're a competitive team. They're a team that are in a playoff spot. They are they are right there to first place. They're right there. And if they can pull through in that first place spot, they're definitely a contender for the World Series. They're definitely a big playoff contender. And, you know, they're pitching, although, you know, the pitching has been pretty good for recently, some of the starting pitching has not been that reliable coming out of Descofani and Ross Stripling. Ross Stripling has done better in these past few games. There has been more promise, you know, but he's given up a lot of home runs. He's given up, you know, a lot of home runs, in certain innings, more than the average pitcher, we'll just say. But Descofani, kind of in a similar route. The game, though, the Giants did not let up. I mean, although the pitching struggles kind of took a toll, they still kept in the game. And, I mean, let's let's talk about a few of the really good performances. Let's, let's talk about Flores, who DH'd in this game and just have a – he had a night. I mean, like, he had four – I think he had four at-bats, and he got a walk. He got two home runs. One was a solo homer that led off the game, and another was a three-run homer to tie it up 4-4 four to four after Brett Wisely and Casey Schmidt got on base. So, you know, the young guys came in clutch there so Wilmer Flores could do his thing, hit it 407 feet, and tie up the game. And then uh, in the top of the fifth, Michael Conforto singled and uh, had scored Luis Mato, so it's 5-5 now, and it just kind of went back and forth for a while. You know, Yastrzemski doubled and scored two people. He scored Wilmer and Conforto. That brought him to 7-5. to five. And it kind of just kept going and going and going until I think what really set him apart is when it was 9-8 and Luis Matos with bases loaded, two outs on a 2-1 count, singled on a line drive and brought it to 11-8. And as we're seeing, you know, the young guys really came through in this game. I mean, Bailey and Schmidt, or not Bailey, my apologies, Wisely and Schmidt, who got on base for that Flores home run, you know, brought them back into that game. It was like 1-4, and you're thinking, how could they come back? And the Wilmer Flores said, we'll come back with a three-run homer. And Matos had done good this game. He was uh, a substitute for Wade, and, you know, they put him in, they put him in center field. He got two hits, he got two RBIs, and, 
the young the young kids given life to this team yet again to lead them in a big win. Um, the Giants are rolling. It feels like they can't be stopped. That put them to their eighth straight win against the Reds. And, I mean, for the Reds to highlight someone who we all know, uh, Joey Votto, you know, the veteran, veteran hitter, definitely a Hall of Famer for sure. Like, no doubt, hit his 350th home run last night. So props to him, and congratulations to him. He's had an excellent career. But Giants held on to that win. They held, uh, they held ahead, and they were able to win. So good job for the boys for rolling. But anyways, I mean, that's a really big thing for this team. They're going into, like, this is this is an important series. This is an important road trip, you see, because Cincinnati, they're a contender as well. And the Giants have to win these games in order to keep themselves in the spot that they need to because it's all very tightly knit in the NL West right now. I mean, you have, like, you have the Giants and the Dodgers and the Diamondbacks. And, I mean, it's looking like the Padres are kind of coming back there. I mean, I'm not too sure, but it looks like they're coming back. So it doesn't just seem like it might be three teams anymore, you know. I had suspected that the Padres might get hot coming back, and they had done well. I mean, Alex Manoa was pitching for the Blue Jays, and he had really big struggles. Sorry about that. And they capitalized on it to win 9-1. to one. It was kind of a blowout win. But that's something that you see in yesterday's games is a lot of them were double-digit wins. I mean, I'm not sure how many games it was, but it was a lot. I'll have to look it up to see how many games had double digits. But it was pretty interesting. It was a pretty interesting stat. It just felt like the ball was flying yesterday. So basically, I think it was 12 teams that scored 10-plus runs. I mean, you had the game with the White Sox and the Mets, who won 11-10. to Mets won. I mean, the Giants-Reds game, of course. You have the Dodgers-Orioles game. Dodgers scored 10. They kind of blew them out of the water. Cleveland and Pirates, they scored 10, and there, there were more teams to that. I mean, the bats were on fire yesterday for all teams. I don't know what that was. I think it was just like an offensive surge or something. I don't know, unless juice balls are back, and I just don't know it yet. But very interesting to see. I'm going to get into talking about something that I saw recently on KMBR, though. And it was an ESPN suggested trade for Otani for the Giants. So we're going to talk about that right now because the proposed deal is pretty interesting. And I kind of want to go back on something I'd said a bit ago about how you're going to give up multiple top 100 prospects for Otani, which I kind of thought about. And maybe it did make me think. And I don't think you'd have to give up, you know, all of your top 100 prospects for him. Like, let's let's look at this realistically. You're getting Otani. For less than 70 games. You're getting them for half a season. If it's not even half a season. Half a season would be 82 games. Or 81 games. It would be 81 games. And you are not getting them. For even half of a season. They can. I mean. The difference is. Compared to other players. Or other superstars and trades. Is that. It's Otani. I mean he pitches. He hits. And he does both. In like. Superstar fashion. He's a once-in-a-lifetime player that we're all witnessing that has so much publicity behind him. But the Giants, they don't have to trade all of their top 100 prospects. So the proposed deal from ESPN here was Kyle Harrison, Marco Luciano, Reggie Crawford, and Mikey Stremski. That was their proposed deal. And, I mean, as I look at that, 
that that makes more sense than people saying that you would have to give up Harrison, Luciano, Matos, and Carson Weisenheim, and more. You don't have to give up all of that. For a rental of Otani, you're not even concerned a guaranteed signing. So you would only get him for like less than two months. And that wouldn't make sense, especially considering how much the Padres give up for Soto, because that makes more sense. Everyone's saying that's going to be more than Soto. I don't think that's true. Soto had a lot more years of club control left, and that's why the Padres had to give up so much, because they were going to have him for longer. They, they would have him for longer, and they wouldn't have Otani for that long. So you can't give up all those prospects who still have, like, what, six, seven years of club control over them? You just can't do that. It wouldn't work out like that. It doesn't make sense. And I would think that if the Angels were asking for all of the top 100 prospects for this short time of Otani, is that Farhan is not going to make that trade. Why would he make a trade like that to give up all of his future, big future guys who have a lot of upside and a lot of promise just for a rental of Otani? Not going to happen. And I think that this deal makes more sense. I mean, you could even, I, would, I, I say you could even keep it to one top 100 prospect and then a few lower-end prospects, maybe a major league player to throw in there. But, I mean, this team, it's an interesting idea for a trade for Otani because you have, I mean, Otani will help you be competitive, and that is for sure. The Giants are rolling into a, they've been rolling into a playoff spot. They're trying to take first in the division. And when you, if you hit playoffs, he's going to be such a good person for you because, one, you get starting pitching, which the Giants have been a bit thin on. You haven't had the most reliable starting pitchers, considering. But at the same time, you also get a superstar bat that could just you could throw in there at the four spot or the three and have them tear it up. That's going to help the Giants. That might be what sets them apart. And it's an interesting trade deal. We're not sure what Farhan's completely doing. He has said a trade for the middle infield makes more sense. They're a little bit more comfortable with their starting pitching and their pitching rotation. I think they're working it with it right now, and it's been working for them in recent, you know, in these recent games. So why stop now? Which makes sense to me. But that trade for Otani seems like a lot more likely than one that's giving up every top prospect that you've got for. Freaking like, what, 60 games of Otani? Why would you do that? It just wouldn't make sense. But anyways, thank you for listening to Giant Spotlight, wherever you get your podcast. New episode Friday. Watch the game tonight. Keep up with Giants baseball. Thank you for listening.